everybody. I am Art Stevens, managing partner of the Stevens Group, and I'm happy to host another in our podcast series called The PR Masters. This series will feature the legends and luminaries in the public relations profession. They have agreed to share insights and pearls of wisdom with us on topics of interest to you, the PR professional. And my special guest today is Barbie Siegel, who is the CEO of Zeno, one of the fastest growing public relations agencies in the world. Uh, Barbie, how are you today? Good, Art. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. Uh, you have been one of my favorite people over the years because of the tremendous success that you and your firm has achieved. And I'd like to talk to you about that, and I'd like to talk to you about some topics that hopefully will be of help to our listeners and will reflect to them uh, how you see your role as a CEO and how you envision your company to continue to grow, and also some advice that you'll be giving to our listeners about how they, too, can uh, get ahead in the world of public relations, uh, uh, an industry that we both love so much. Barbie, the first thing I wanted to ask you, I know you have a tremendous success record with uh, Zeno. What, what is the uh, 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 background that you bring to Zeno? Where, where, what, what have you done before? Have you written through the risen through the ranks of public relations agencies uh, prior to Zeno? Thanks, Art. I started my public relations career right out of college. Um, I was, it's sort of an interesting story, and I think maybe a lesson from the very beginning. Um, I was, you know, it was, of course, before the Internet. I was typing letters um, on, my, on an electric typewriter in my parents' apartment in Fort Lee, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I had wanted to go into advertising, but there were absolutely no jobs. And my brother-in-law at the time was working with his company, with a PR firm, and he said, why don't you try PR? So I started typing letters one at a time to different agencies. And if you remember the electric typewriters, they were self-correcting until you moved on. And this one letter in particular, I had corrected it, but it was still wrong, and I pulled it out, and I threw it away. And while I'm not one of these types of people, usually a little bird came into my head and said, do that letter over. That might just be the letter. And indeed it was. And I began my career, Art, I'm sure you remember this firm, at McGrath Power Associates, working for McGrath and Larry Power. Yeah. And... um, I had graduated from Barnard, and I started straight out as an AE. There were no interns the way we do it today. And my first day, I was on a train to Camden, New Jersey, for a meeting at Campbell's Soup, which ironically today is a client of ours here at Zeno. Um, And I ended up spending seven years there. And then I decided that I wanted to play on a bigger field, and a client of mine introduced me to Richard Edelman, and I was hired by Richard as a VP in the consumer marketing practice, and I stayed there for 11 years. I had my children there. I really loved Edelman, Um, worked on some of the world's greatest brands and companies. And then I was very heavily recruited by Paul Hicks, who was then at Ogilvy, to run the the global consumer marketing practice. I had never run a practice before, And at the time, Ogilvy was not exactly a step up. They had a very weak consumer offering. I don't think I'm saying anything that anybody would disagree with. But 
I decided that it was time to spread my wings a bit and see if I could make a go of it doing something I had never done before, which actually began to set the stage for what was to come. So I decided, I remember my husband, who's always been a big supporter of mine, saying, do you know how to do this job? And I said, no, but I will figure it out. And I arrived and was shown to my desk. I had a phone and a phone list, and that was about it. And I ended up staying at Ogilvy for eight years, and we made a tremendous success out of it. I learned how to build a practice, build a team, make do with the resources around me, and um, I really enjoyed my time there with Marcia Silverman and others. And then I had always stayed in touch with Richard, and he called one morning, and we had breakfast, and he said, come back to the family and restart Zeno and be our CEO. And again, I thought, I don't know anything about being a CEO. And of course, Zeno at the time, you know, now Ogilvy was at the top of its game, and Zeno was not. But I felt I had one, and I, and the, and I now know what a build is, having done it at Ogilvy, and that's really what the job was at Zeno. And I felt that I had one more really good build left inside me because having done it at Ogilvy, I understood the physical and emotional toll of building something. So I said yes. My husband again asked me if I knew how to do the job. I said no, but I will figure it out. And November, it will be 10 years that I joined Zeno. Congratulations. So that's, really. that's my trajectory. Thank you. Well, that's quite a background. Obviously, uh, you did a lot of things in the uh, PR agency world, and uh, it sounds like you were you know, almost uh, born into it. <laughs> uh, you were predisposed toward public relations. Uh, you used an interesting word there, Barbie. Uh, you used the word uh, building, you know, and you, you said you had one more build left in you, and, and obviously you have accomplished that, and of course there's more to come. But my question is, what do you mean by build? And in other words, what did you see as the assignment, and how did you how did you go about it, and maybe in a little more detail? So when I arrived at Zeno almost ten years ago, uh, and for context, and I think this is interesting, we were a ten million dollar firm with fifty five people in the U.S. and um, just in the U.S. And you know, as I was sort of preparing for my arrival, I, I thought, well, maybe I should read some books about how to be a CEO and how to be a leader. And then I thought, you know what? I'm not going to read any books. I'm just going to go in and be who I am and listen and learn and look around and figure it out as I go. And, you know, Zeno, when I arrived, had a very good collaborative culture. This was a group of people who were very dedicated to Zeno, despite the fact that Zeno had absolutely no brand and no profile. And so it's hard to believe now that I really did not have a plan when I walked in the door. I just sort of took it step by step, gathering with the, the leadership that was there then and I think began to infuse a bit of a vision in terms of what we could be, that we could be a different type of agency, 
um, that we indeed needed to be a challenger agency because what the world did not need was another PR firm. And of course, we were in the shadow of Edelman, the world's greatest PR firm. So we, you know, sort of proceeded to begin to carve out this positioning of unexpected and disruptive. And some of the clients that we represented at the time, Pizza Hut and Kia Motors, which today continue to be clients, which I think says a whole lot for Zeno when I arrived and Zeno today, those are challenger brands. They certainly were back then. And so we took on this mentality of being a challenger brand agency that we were going to sort of disrupt and surprise the world, sort of burst onto the scene. And I remember in one of our first leadership meetings, Grant Deedy, who today leads the Chicago office, is our chief culture officer, and is celebrating 21 years with Zeno. He was our first Zeno employee, sort of said, what if we can become the agency that when a client wants to choose a firm, we absolutely have to be on that list. And so all of us working together, we began to have a vision and you know, you asked what it is to build. It's not only about building business. It's about building confidence. It's about building a team. It's about walking into a room and while you may not think you belong there, you know, showing that, in fact, you do belong. And what we have done from day one all the way to today is really give clients something different, um, a different approach, a different point of view, a different vibe, and I think we have carved out a very unique positioning in terms of what a global mid-sized firm can achieve. Well, obviously, you took Zeno from um, 10 million, as you say, uh, to obviously what it is today. And uh, my question now is, um, how, would, how do you define public relations? You've used the words challenge brands. You've used the words unexpected, you've used the words uh, disruptive. Do you, do you feel that you have been among the first uh, CEOs and agencies you know, to begin to uh, embrace those terms in, in terms of what the future brings to brands and corporations? Well, I think those terms refer a little bit more to how we as an agency operate. You know, our North Star is fearless pursuit of the unexpected um, and fearless pursuit of the unexpected relates both to how we as an agency operate and how we want to provoke and push our clients into new places. So when I talk about disruption and challenge a brand, it really refers more to our positioning as an agency, but certainly our work and the way we approach our client assignments is you know, not to be satisfied with the status quo but to give clients a different way of thinking about things. And, yes, all agencies have evolved. And, you know, when I began my career, public relations, I, I always remember when I began, clients would say, the agency will come up with the strategy. And, of course, they meant the ad agency. And, you know, <laughs> starting my career in consumer public relations, we did, you know, a lot of creative and a lot of stunts and different things. But today – Public relations is so incredibly strategic. Um, I just was at the Arthur Page 
conference last week, and all the discussion is about the role of the chief communications officer and certainly the agencies that support them and helping clients and companies advance their mission and their values and their social purpose. So I think the, the world of PR has absolutely evolved around us. I think we bring a solution, if you will, that clients have responded to in terms of our deep primary and secondary research capabilities, our creativity that cuts across all the sectors in which we work, not just consumer, but we take a very creative approach to our corporate work, to our health work, to our technology work, and having a complete you know, complement of tools that enables us to advance our earned storytelling. I mean, earned storytelling remains at the core of what we do, but today we do paid media. We work with clients on their brand positioning. We help clients understand what their purpose is. So it's public relations, as you well know, is very, very broadly defined, but we understand what the value of earned storytelling is first and foremost. And well, you know, Bobby, just I want to I want to add one more sure, I want to add one more point on how we're disruptive and fearless. A client, I think our job when we walk into a client is number one to be a business partner first, not necessarily a communications person. Person come to the table and be a business partner. Understand my business. The second thing is, I think it's our job to provoke our clients. Clients don't need us to come in and say everything you're doing is right or parrot back the ideas you already have. Clients need us to come in and give them a gentle push. And one of our clients, I don't want to name a specific client, a chief communications officer at one of our clients about two years ago at lunch said to me, the thing I love most about Zeno is you push us. And we may not go all the way, but you give us something a little bit extra and a different way of thinking about an issue, a project, what have you. And to me, that is really the ultimate compliment, but that is our role to bring the outside in and help clients get to a different place. And sorry I interrupted you. No, that's okay. Um, so uh, in, in line with that, Barbie, uh, given that, um, you must have an entirely different uh, training program in terms of uh, uh, your, your recruitment of new people and uh, various levels of uh, accountability within the agency. Uh, do you feel that you uh, have a different approach to uh, training your people given, you know, the, uh, call it the, uh, the agency mandate that you've described? Um, well, I, what I think is important here is that um, when we look for people, first and foremost, it has to be a cultural fit. And I always say that we are willing to walk away from the most talented person out there, and you certainly know how challenging talent and recruitment is today. First and foremost, they have to embrace our values and our culture. And I want to say that a very important part of our success has been our culture, that it is central to the agency. So that's the, the commitment to our values begins with recruiting. Um, we have something called Fearless University, which is our continuing education where, yes, 
we train people in all kinds of topics. But on a daily basis, we are giving staff at all levels the opportunity to speak their minds, to share their ideas, knowing that a good idea comes from any level, and this idea of being fearless. You may know that I wear a fearless bracelet every single day, Monday through Friday. Others in the agency do too. And it really is the glue that holds us together, that reminds everybody that we are in this together as one, one agency wherever you may sit across the the Xeno network. I was in a pitch several years ago um, in California we were, I think, repitching for something, and it, there was a young woman with us. It may have been one of her first pitches, and she was very nervous, but she was doing a good job. And in rehearsal, I said to her, we wear these fearless bracelets for a reason. Remember, we're all in this together. We're all in this pitch together. Just go out there and do your best. And she did a great job. So that is a really, this glue, this idea of being fearless and Zeno being a place where you can express yourself and have a voice is certainly important to both the recruiting and the retention. And we do put a big focus on our people because at the end of the day, that's all we have. So Barbie, am I correct in, in the assumption that uh, Zeno was first created by Edelman to be a conflict shop? And then, obviously, it's gone well beyond that. But was it created to be a conflict shop? Well, that is a very important part of our story, Art. If you talk to Richard, he will, he will tell this story. Dan wanted a second agency. Richard was running Edelman, and I think, as Richard tells it, Dan wanted something else to do. So, yes, Zeno was started as PR21 in Chicago as a conflict shop. And somewhat ironically, the very first client over 20 years ago now was Motorola, which today is, again, a client. Mm -hmm. So yes, it was started as a conflict shop and for many years was known as a conflict shop. Um, Around 1999 or so, the then CEO rebranded the firm Zeno because PR21 really no longer worked. And when I arrived, this idea of being a conflict shop was um, eliminated. And we are now known as a sister agency to Edelman and part of the DJE Holdings family. What do you think of the con- the uh, concept? Of, I'm just curious. It's uh, 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 I might I might digress a, a moment from you know the line of uh, uh, discussion we were having. But what what do you think is uh, is there a role for a conflict shop among agencies? Obviously, you guys started as a conflict shop and went well beyond that to a powerhouse. You went from conflict shop to powerhouse. Is there a role for conflict shops uh, in the industry? I think that term conflict shop, if I'm a client, it's sort of like you're not get maybe not getting the best. I don't I don't think it's a great positioning to be honest. That's why we abandoned it. Mm-hmm. I think there are certainly opportunities for agencies to develop entities that enable them to expand their business 
and carve out relationships. I'm not sure that I don't think the term conflict shop is coming from a position of strength. Because it, from a client point of view, I think it's, well, I want to be in the real shop. I don't want to be in the, it's like the second team. Got it. I think that's a very interesting uh, uh, position to take. Um, where do you think the PR industry is headed, uh, Barbie? You know, you've seen it grow. You've seen technology, social media. You see agencies uh, who, who compete with you, you know, uh, uh, clamoring to bring in, you know, more and more uh, interactive digital capabilities. Where do you see the industry going? You know, I think today, and, you know, there's so much written about social purpose and the world in which we're, lo- the world in which we're living. People want the companies that they work for and the brands that they use, whether you're an IT person or a mother shopping in the supermarket, you want to feel good about the brands and companies you give your loyalty to. And I think people are looking for companies to take a stand and have a set of values. And it's a great opportunity for us because this is what we know how to do. So I think there's still so much upside for us. I know there's a lot of debate as to whether you should say you're a PR agency or not. You know, we don't want to be an ad agency. Um, We want to help our clients earn their way into the societal and cultural conversation. I think it's fantastic that we now have all these other tools. For example, at Zeno, we have deep primary and secondary research. We have deep analytics capabilities. We are able today to much more clearly show the impact of our work than ever before. I mean, sort of the holy grail in terms of how do you attribute what we do in terms of earned storytelling, whether it be among traditional media or newer media or influencers to and and benefit because we have these analytics and research capabilities. So I think PR agencies are still absolutely sitting in a sweet spot. And with trust at such low levels, we have the ability to help advance a company's agenda in ways that I think perhaps the ad agencies can't. So I think it's an incredibly exciting time uh, to be in our business. Do you think the term public relations will continue? I hope so. I think it would be sad to see it go away. I mean, I think we do public relations and many, many other things. And the definition is so much broader than, than ever before. And as I said, we really lead quite a lot with earned media. But you know, here's where the tricky part is. We also have teams here that do a lot of digital work that may not start with an earned story, but it is, in the end, all about storytelling and reaching people with compelling and engaging messages and helping them to engage back. In what ways has an agency like yours, Barbie, supplanted the old traditional uh, offerings and capabilities of advertising agencies. You know, where have we as agency people uh, forged ahead, and uh, uh, what prompted us to do that? And uh, I know you you obviously uh, touched on that, but what prompted us to do that, and how have we been able to pull ahead? You know, I think in some ways 
agencies have pulled ahead and others we haven't. I think clients and all of us seeing this expanded view of public relations has really shown that, you know, I'll go back to what I said a few minutes ago. We, public relations today is highly strategic. I mean, we have people inside our agency who did not grow up in public relations. They may have grown up in research or brand positioning or data. So we are operating at a much higher level. Um, and so clients, I think, have can see that a great strategy or, or a great idea can come from not only would be the purview of the ad agencies. I will say that the ad agencies, to their credit, are doing a good job coming up with ideas that go beyond advertising. I mean, if you look at the CAN winners every year, the ad agencies have dominated in the PR category. And I think that is just continues to remind us that we, as PR agencies, need to continue to provide that high level of strategic and creative thinking. You know, we just won uh, in, ca in Canada, the news is breaking today, in fact, we won a, I think it's either four or five years, and I can verify this, assignment from the Turkey Farmers of Canada. It's a $25 million all-in assignment, 360 all the way, advertising, creative, paid media, earned, everything. We were the only PR agency in the hunt. The others were ad agencies, and we won. Congratulations, Barbara. So really. I, wow. I think, thank you. So I think that, and we have a release, and I can send it if, if we want to get any more of the details, but I think that is an example of really open-minded clients. You know, forget the label of what your agency is called. Are we a PR agency? Are we a communications agency? Are we a creative agency? We're all of those things. We understand what it is to take a brand or a product and put emotion into it and create great stories. And then we understand how to bring those stories to life across myriad platforms. In this instance, with the Turkey Farmers of Canada, it will include paid media. And we will, so we are sort of the steward of the strategy and the creative. And I think that is an example of how far PR agencies have become. But at the core, we are talking about storytelling that engages people, whether you're a consumer, B2B, or B2C. And we, like other agencies, but I can only speak about Zeno, have put a huge investment into data and analytics so that we can be much smarter, much more stealth, much more strategic about where we put our content, what the content is, and the impact. And that was, you know, when I started my career, and certainly you, that was never the case. But we've got these incredible tools now to really show the value of what we're doing. And to me, that is incredibly exciting. And the other thing that excites me about the industry, just to move away from turkey farmers, is just the role that we are playing in the C-suite with CEOs and CCOs and, you know, just helping companies address the most important business and societal issues of the day. That's, that's what ahead, we have that that's what we know how to do that. We are, you know, PR people understand how to tap into, you know, the the zeitgeist of the day. 
And this is important business work that we're doing. It's not just about the clips anymore, thank God. This is now about helping companies take a stand and take a position. And also very important, making sure that they are communicating in all the right ways to their employees. Do you think that uh, given what you have done at Zeno and, and, and the role Zeno is playing uh, with its clients, uh, and, and really, uh, congratulations on beating out ad agencies. I think that's a major, major stepping stone in our illustrious uh, profession. Um, do you think that uh, uh, Zeno has raised the playing field for other PR agencies? You know, I think what we've done is carved out a unique positioning as a global mid-sized agency that represents some of the world's most important companies. You know, our competitive set art, which I think is really interesting, is mostly the large agencies. It is rarely, it is occasionally other mid-sized agencies. But I think we have a unique position in terms of being mid-sized. We're 500 people now, global. We've got 80 people in London. We are, we've just, you know, we're making our way through Xeno China. We just hired Ruby Fu very well-known individual to lead us in China. I think we have shown people what a mid-sized agency can do when the biggest pitches of the day, Lenovo was the biggest pitch of the year, global, AOR, corporate brand. So I don't really want to talk about other agencies, but I can say for us, I think our positioning is quite unique. And what we have shown is that Mid-size doesn't limit what we can do, but really frees us up to do so much more, both in terms of the, no the number of people we're moving around. You know, when you think about the jumbo agencies, five, 6,000 people, and our, you know, people come to Zeno, senior people come to Zeno and others, but a lot of our senior hires, because we focus on the work. And a really important part of our story, Art, is that we are privately held and family-owned. And so we are not answering to Wall Street. We're answering to our clients. And Dan Edelman always said, and we follow this today, do good work and the money will follow. Yeah. So our success over the last 10 years has been about building deep client relationships, doing work that really matters, tying that work to business outcomes for our clients, and making clients feel important every single day, giving them the full force of Zeno. And another important part of our positioning has been our 1P&L. And clients respond very well to that. We do not look at clients' business on an office-by-office -office basis. It's about who are the right people, where are they from, no, who are the right people, it doesn't matter where they're from, and putting the best team together. I'd like and to, we will uh, continue to raise the. We will continue. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to talk about other agencies, but we will continue to raise the bar for ourselves, and continue to disrupt the market and surprise the market with the clients we win, the people we hire, and the moves we make, because that really has been our story over the last ten years. Whether it was winning Seattle's Best Coffee against formidable, much better known competition almost ten years ago, to our Lenovo win to the Three Monkeys acquisition in London, hiring Margaret Key in Asia, now Ruby Fu. I mean, we're going to continue to, to 
disrupt in that way and surprise. So given the fact that you obviously have worked very hard to grow a very, very successful agency that is fearless and disruptive, uh, how do you balance your work life? I know you have you know, two children, you've got a husband. Um, how, do you, how do you balance your work life and, and how, do you, uh, how would you describe the culture you know, within Zeno in, in terms of uh, uh, quality of life and uh, the things that you hold to be the most important? So I appreciate that question, um, something I could talk probably an hour on, but I'll, I'll pick a few key things. Um, so, yes, I have uh, two daughters now, uh, almost 21 and almost 24, and I have a very, very supportive husband, and I must add I have a 94-year-old father. Um, one of our expressions at Zeno is that Zeno is a place where careers are built and lives are lived. That is incredibly important to me personally and professionally, that people feel like they can have an exciting and successful career at whatever level they want, and that's a personal thing. Not everybody wants to be the CEO, and that's okay, but they can also have a life. So... I believe in that, and I live that. Um, I have a gallery in my office of, I'm looking at it right now, of pictures of my Zeno family and my blood family. So it's very, very important that people feel like they can, they can do both. What I will say is it is not perfect. And I often talk to the young mothers here, now that I'm on the other side, Yes, you will miss things. You cannot do it all. You cannot get to every ballet recital. You cannot get to every ball game. But in the end, if you are working for a company that really cares about your life, both inside and outside, it does all balance out, as I can see from my own children. And, of course, you need a good support system. You need a supportive partner um, and all the rest. For me, well, I think it's important that everybody have a passion to go to outside of work, something that helps them clear their mind and not think about work and absolutely put their phone away. For me, for the last, I don't know, 10 years, I am an avid weightlifter in the gym. I go every morning when I'm mm. not traveling. I, I lift weights. I swing kettlebells. I run. I love it. It is, gives me strength physically and mentally. And no matter what I go into the gym worrying about, when I come out, it's a little bit more in perspective, and I feel like I have the strength to do it. So that's not right for everybody, and I you know, certainly appreciate that I don't have young babies at home. But I think it's important that everybody finds something they can go to to clear their minds and um, just not be working all the time. I, I, I don't think that's healthy either. The other thing I want to say, you didn't ask it, but I, it is something I care deeply about. I, I get that I'm a woman and I am a CEO, but I lead in the best way I can just as a person, not because I'm a woman um, I, I do the best I can based on who I am, um, but I do know that 
the women in the firm look to me in a certain way, but I certainly give equal time to the dads. And at the end of the day, I feel it's sort of amazing. I walk around all of our offices and all these people are pouring their heart and soul into the firm. And when I make decisions, I am making decisions that affect people and the mortgages that they're paying and the families that they're raising. It's not just about making a decision for Zeno. I really do think about the fact that all these people around the world have come to Zeno because they believe they believe in what we stand for. And I am very cognizant that this is the place they've chosen to build their career and they could have chosen any other place. But with that comes responsibility to be sure that Zeno is the best that it can be because we're raising our families and we're paying our mortgages and all of that. So it's something I, I really do think about every day. It's funny, uh, Barbie, you read my mind because one of, you know, uh, uh, as we uh, bring this discussion, uh, you know, to a close very shortly, one of the questions uh, that I wanted to ask you about was, you know, your view of women in the public relations marketplace. Uh, you know, it's been my observation, having had a, a public relations agency myself and having been a, a, a partner, you know, with a woman for a number of years uh, in my old firm of Lopes and Stevens. Um, I remember Lopes and Stevens well. Uh, thank you. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, and, you know, because I, I share your mindset, having been a PR agency a CEO myself. Um, but, um, you know, to, to my mind, uh, Women have had a tremendous opportunity, you know, in the public relations uh, industry, uh, both in, on, on the corporate side as well as uh, the agency side, particularly the agency side. You know, I guess you probably uh, know many of your peers and colleagues uh, who head uh, agencies uh, uh, throughout the country, yes. throughout the world, for yes. that matter. Um, and I wanted to ask you what you felt, uh, what kind of advice would you give to aspiring young women? Um, do they have, in, at least in the agency industry, do they have a, a more acute challenge than men do, or do you feel that there's uh, an equal playing field, you know, for both genders? You know, I, it, it's a it's a good and fair question. Um, I, you know, sit on a couple of boards. I'm involved with many of those women. We we get together. Uh, I think it's a, a wonderful development over the last several years. We we work with the PR council. We get together for dinners, really to to help each other. And we could be, you know, competitors nine to five, but it's sort of fun to get together for dinner. And we have a lot in common and can help each other. I would. I have been very fortunate in my career, um, working for Marcia Silverman and now Richard, that I have never felt any obstacles in my way in terms of growth. Um, and I would say to women that it is a, a few things. Um, you know, think about a career path and go for it. And there is more than one path to success and growth. Maybe it's the CEO. Maybe it's doing something else. And I will tell you what I tell my own children, and that is when you see something you want, you need to go for it and ask for it. You cannot wait for somebody to hand it to you. Um, you know, I think you have to be your own best advocate in a way, but also align yourself with people who can help 
guide you and advocate for you as well and help you, you know, advance in whatever direction uh, that you want to. So, I mean, this industry, for whatever reason, has always been one where there are a lot of women in it. So, I, yes, I do think there's, there's a great opportunity. But I don't think anybody should think that it will just be handed to them. And by that I mean, you know, somebody can read your mind as to what you want. The other thing I would say for, you know, people at the mid-level is say yes more than you say no. When there's a new opportunity, raise your hand and go for it. I would also say, and this has absolutely been my experience, you may not feel ready for the next step, but go for it. I did not know how to run a practice. I had never run a practice when I walked into Ogilvy, and I figured it out. You, you know more than you think you do when you get to that next level. And just as I believe in promoting people, not wait, waiting till they're almost ready, they don't have to be 100% ready, because I think that delta gives you that extra little push of adre- adrenaline to prove that you can do it. And certainly when I arrived to Zeno, I, I didn't know the first thing about being a CEO. And you just sort of figure it out, which is actually one of our mantras here at Zeno. We, you know, if we're not completely sure, we pool of all of our resources and we, we figure it out. So I would say to the women who are making their way to, you know, be open to lots of new opportunities, but to speak their minds about what they would like to do. And if an opportunity doesn't present itself, go get it. Go ask for it. I don't think there's a manager out there that doesn't appreciate somebody coming into their office and saying, I want to do this, or I want to take the next step. I want to do that. You know, how do I get there? And finally, what's your view on the role of diversity in in, uh, public relations agencies? I'm so glad you asked, because just a few minutes ago I was thinking, huh, we haven't spoken about diversity and inclusion, which is a vitally important topic. Um, I sit on the board of the PRSA Foundation. Um, it is something that I am personally and professionally, you know, very committed to. A, because it's the right thing to do. B, you know, working in this country, how can you not offer clients a diverse team? How can we not offer clients work that presents diversity of thought and perspective? So, there are many of us working together to do everything we can to get more diverse individuals into the field at the very early stages and helping them grow their careers and, you know, retain them. For whatever reason, this industry has not had a lot of diversity. I think the good news is that there are many groups and professional associations all focused on change. Um, just, I think, last week or the week before, we were very honored here at Zeno to host the LeGrand Scholarships, which I'm sure you're familiar with it. Yes, I am. Um, sure. So, you know, that was very important work. And at the PR Week Awards a couple of weeks ago, there were um, some finalists for PR Student of the Year and I, I said to one or two of them, you know, whether you win or not, it's great that you're here. Make the most of this evening, network, hand out your cards. And I worked to recruit someone just that night. 
you know, I, I was very taken by a young woman and we're interviewing her for an internship. So I think it very much has to go both ways. We have to go seek these people, you know, more a more diverse workforce, and in turn, you know, they we want to give them reason to seek us out as well. So it is a, to answer your question, top issue for us, as it is for many of the agencies. And I'm just delighted to be partnering with some of my colleagues at other agencies and working with some of these industry groups to to hopefully no longer have to have the discussion about diversity and inclusion. But today it's a very important discussion to have. And internally at Xeno, we want people to feel welcome no matter what their orientation is. And that goes across, you know, a variety of whether it's religious, sexual, whatever. That's good to hear. And my very final question to you, Barbie, and uh, thank you for your your uh, candor and your transparency today. Uh, but my final question is, what does Zeno mean? What does, how did you come up with that name? Oh, wow, that's an important part of our story. So I did not come up with the name Zeno. One of my predecessors did. Um, the agency had been called PR21, and then it shifted to Zeno. So Zeno, there was a – it comes from Greek mythology – and um, Zeno of Citium was a Greek god. He was famous for saying, God gave you two ears and one mouth, so you listen more than you speak. And I think it's a important message and certainly very, very relevant today as we, of course, want to listen to all the stakeholders that we want to engage with and make sure we understand their point of view and how they are engaging with us. So that is what Zeno means. I'd like to thank our guest today, Barbie Siegel, who is CEO of Zeno, one of the highly regarded public relations agencies out there. Uh, Barbie, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, this is Art Stevens bringing you the PR Master Series. Tune in again for another legendary figure in the, in the field of public relations. And... Have a great day.